Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Another NFL draft is in the books, and it was another strong showing for Jim Harbaugh's Michigan program. The Wolverines produced nine draft picks and extended their first round streak to five years. Plus, Michigan remains red hot on the recruiting trail and continues to have the top ranked 2024 class after adding another commit. Aaron, good to be with you on this gloomy Monday afternoon in Michigan. And as you can tell from the intro, no Andrew on this podcast, but I promise you he did not get fired for setting a horrendous total for the over-under Wolverines draft this year on our last podcast. I mean, he's just on vacation. We'll be back for the next pod. But I mean, let's let's get into this draft recap here. I know, I know we both he set the the number at six and a half, and I think we both both took the over there. And I, I think I said seven. I'm not sure you gave an exact number, but I, I'm sure you probably weren't expecting nine nine draft picks. No, no I, I thought I think it was one too low. I would have set it at seven and a half. So I could have seen eight. And I, I think when we were talking about it, I think I threw out the possibility of eight guys getting drafted. The ninth uh, punter Brad Robbins is a little bit of a surprise. But no, I mean, this has kind of been the the case almost every year now for Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines. I mean, you go back to even 2020 when they had, I think, 10 guys drafted. So, I mean, this isn't an outlier. This has kind of become the norm for the Wolverines. Um, you know, and look, Michigan's been very successful the last couple of years on the field. As we all know, they've won a lot of games. They've had a lot of success. They've had some players that have won some national awards. So it it makes sense. Um, but yeah, another another great year for Michigan in the, uh, the NFL draft. Yeah, a quick rundown here on the players who were selected. We had Mozzie Smith going 26 overall to the Dallas Cowboys, as we said, extending that first round streak. Tight end Luke Stumaker went 58th overall to the Cowboys, which is in the second round. Uh, cornerback DJ Turner also was a second round pick, number 60 overall to the Bengals. And then kicker Jake Moody, 99th overall to the San Francisco 49ers. Mike Morris, defensive end, 151st overall, fifth round to the Seahawks. Center Olu Oluwatimi, 154th overall, fifth round also to the Seahawks. The Bengals grabbed. Uh, Hunter Brad Robbins in the sixth round, 217th overall. Offensive tackle Ryan Hayes, the Dolphins in the seventh round, 238 overall. And wide receiver Ronnie Bell, 253, seventh round to the 49ers. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of, na- a lot of Wolverines here in their name uh, over the three day event. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of names we kind of knew. I mean, we, we discussed this on the pod last week, but. Many of the names you mentioned, we expected to be drafted. So, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a shock. Now, it might have been a surprise that where some of these guys went. And, yeah, and, which, you know, what's your biggest surprise of 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 the of the Wolverines drafted and where? Yeah, biggest surprise, Jake Moody. Um, I, I thought he would be drafted, but I was thinking more like fifth, sixth, seventh round. I thought maybe his earliest would have been the fifth round. Just but again, as I said, said to you, I think last week, and I, I said years past, Special teams kick, especially kickers, are very difficult to like to, to decode because like there's only a handful of them available, 
and they're, they're this hot commodity, but sometimes they wait and, and sometimes they aren't drafted till late. Sometimes they're not drafted at all. And all it takes is one team to with with a need. And in this case, for for a kicker, the 49ers obviously needed one. Uh, and, and they took Jake Mooney in the third round. I was shocked how early he went. I wasn't shocked that he went. I was shocked how early he went. I was certainly expecting a day three pick. And things were, were starting to wind down um, the end of day two there, late in the third round. And I hear his <laughs> name called. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You're like, what? Are, are you, uh, yeah, are you, I, I think in a way a, Jake was. Is that a mistake? <laughs> yeah, and I, I think Jake was surprised too by how, how early he went. Uh, so, you know, it's it's you never know kickers. I mean, like I say, I say this all, all the time every year. So, uh, you know, good for him. You know, he's going to make more money than he would have being drafted in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Uh, you know, he's obviously going to get an opportunity to probably become the 49ers' primary kicker. They're probably expecting that to happen. Um, so he was by far the, the biggest surprise to me. It's it's funny, though, with, with kickers. Is like, I mean, if you're drafting a, a, a defensive end or a, a receiver in, in an early round, I mean, you, you could see the skill set, and you pre- are pretty confident that's going to translate to the NFL level, at least at some point. But with kickers, though, you just kind of really never know. I mean, he like the he was the highest kicker drafted since uh, Robert Aguayo in in 2016, who went 59th overall, and he had an awful. He barely had any NFL career. I think he struggled in the preseason of his rookie year, and and when he he got a few uh, regular season opportunities, and just was completely broken. So it's it's definitely a risk. I mean, he, Moody was an awesome college kicker, but as we've seen, that doesn't always translate to the NFL level. So I mean. It seems like he he has all the the tools and the makeup and the and the mental capacity to be a successful NFL kicker, but time will tell there. I mean, for me, I mean, I, I don't think I think yeah, like we said, all, all these guys were at least could have been drafted, but I I really didn't expect the, some of them to go as early as they did. And I think for for me, it was it was Luke Stumaker. I mean, he was projected to the Cowboys in a, in a lot of like seven round mock drafts and either like the third and fourth round, but I don't think anyone really expected them to to grab him in the second round at 58th overall. I mean, he went ahead of guys like Georgia's Darnell Washington, South Dakota State's Tucker Kraft, um, guys that, that had higher grades than, than him. But I mean, Cow- I mean, I don't know if it's if the Cowboys liked like the Michigan program or they grabbed Mozzie Smith in the first round too. Um, but yeah, that, a lot of experts said that could have been a reach, I and mean, we'll see. But uh, that was uh, a little bit surprising to me. Yeah, he was my number two surprise. Um, I, I think most, as you mentioned, he had a little bit lower grade than some of those others tight ends. So I think the general consensus, at least, was he would probably be like a round three or four pick, um, probably you know early early day three. Um, but yeah, you, I, I was a little surprised he went as high as he did, uh, especially given like the injury concerns. I mean, there were he dealt with the ankle, he dealt with the shoulder injury late in the year. He didn't do everything at the combine. I don't think he did everything at Michigan's pro day either. So I think there were some, you know, lingering injury concerns kind of lingering over him. Um, but it didn't seem to bother the Cowboys. As you said, he went there early in round two. Uh, he went ahead of DJ Turner, which I again I thought was a little bit of a surprise. So uh, good for him. I mean, the, the Cowboys have shown in the past they like Michigan guys. Uh, they signed Michigan tight end Sean McCune a few years ago, so they're not you know unfamiliar with Michigan's tight ends and what they can do. Uh, so I think he's going to get an opportunity right away to, again to go in there and, and obviously make the team and, and become a, a you know an immediate um, guy there. I don't know how many what type of opportunity he'll get maybe in the in the passing game, but Luke shown an ability and a willingness and success doing in blocking at the tight end position. So I, I think they're going to lean on him quite a bit for that. Um, so yeah, he was probably probably my number two surprise. 
Yeah. I mean, really, I'm I'm trying to think here who I thought would have gone earlier than expected or maybe fell that than what it was expected. I guess maybe DJ Turner, but I mean, he, he there was a lot of variance on his grades too. I mean, you saw anywhere from the first round to late in the second round and even the third round. So I guess it was a mild surprise he fell to 60 overall. But I mean, again, not not the biggest corner out there too. So it's, it's all, basically you're drafting him off his speed. And I guess maybe Ryan Hayes. I mean, the seventh round, I thought, I mean, as an athletic offensive tackle, I think maybe teams would have thought, hey, he, we can work with him and, and get him to maybe improve a little bit. I mean, he, remember, he he wasn't really an offensive lineman until he came to Michigan. He was recruited as a tight end. Uh, I, I think he has some athleticism there that to maybe work into being uh, warrant maybe being an earlier pick. But other than that, uh, no real guys that fell later than expected, at least in my eyes. No, I mean, Turner had a lot of smoke with his speed. I, I think that kind of propped him up for a few weeks into a month. I mean, there was a point there where, where Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, even Daniel Jeremiah and some other guys thought maybe Turner would sneak into the first round. There were mocks there where, where Turner was in the first round. But you're right. I, I think at the end of the day, I think teams probably looked at his, his lack of size and, you know, his he was good at Michigan. I don't think he was great. Um, and and they, I think they realized maybe they came down to earth on him, and that's why he went late in the second round as opposed to, you know, first mid second um mike morris i think you saw what a lack of speed got him i I think you know there are a few months back he was projected to maybe be a first second round pick he fell all the way to five i I think that was a direct result of his his combine performance where he he ran a uh, you know over five uh, five second 40 yard dash which isn't great um and then a little bit timmy fifth round pick i think he fell a little bit there there was, I think, a presumption he was going to be maybe a third, no long, no later than fourth. So he he slid a little bit, yeah. And then the person I think who slid the most, as you mentioned, Ryan Hayes. I you know I, I think there was an assumption he'd probably be an early day three pick, not a late day three pick. Um, but I, I think Hayes' status there, as you mentioned, former tight end in high school. Um, I, I thought he was fine as a tackle at Michigan. I, I I think Michigan expected big things out of him. I don't know if they saw the growth maybe they expected by the end of his tenure, but he was a solid pick. I mean, all Big Ten tackle. I don't know if he's going to play there at the NFL level. It sounds like there's there's a belief that he's probably going to move into, move into guard at some point. So I think he's, in a way, he was probably a little bit out of position at Michigan, so that probably hurt his draft stock. But I think this speaks to a further thing here. You know, I think this offseason, there was a, this this wonder if Trevor Keegan and, and, and Zach Zinner were going to come out. And if they had, you know, I, I don't know where their stock would have been, but it probably wouldn't have been very high because if you would have thrown those three guys in a bucket to me, I think Hayes would have been the top prospect. So uh, I, I think that speaks as Inter and, and Keegan's decision to come back. I don't think their stock would have been much higher. Um, nonetheless, I mean, Hayes is drafted. He'll get an opportunity. He'll probably make the team. I, I don't know if he'll be a starter one day, um, but he's a smart enough guy. Um, he plays well. He's very fundamental. Uh, he had a very good Michigan career, and, uh, you know, he'll get an opportunity in Miami. I think the my favorite moment of the draft was we, on our team's messages. Aaron messaged messaged me late on, on Friday night. Just uh, it's I think a couple centers went off the board, and Aaron messaged me. Oh, I think all going to be going here pretty soon. Uh, he's going to be like the fifth or sixth center off the board, and if uh, if not here in these final picks early tomorrow, and then Ryan Hayes. And that, or Mike Morris, and then literally, like maybe two minutes later, Jake Moody gets picked. <laughs> yeah, it was a oh, curveball, that's for sure. Was, yeah. There, there was a point there in the draft. You know, for those of you that follow the draft, I don't know how many of you do because once you get later in the draft, you get in the weeds, and I don't, I don't, you know, that's where the diehards are paying attention. But there was a point there in the from the 
end of the fourth to like the sixth ish seventh round where Ryan or yeah, Ryan Hay or no, although with Timmy was the best available center in the draft still available. And Ronnie Bell was the best available receiver still available. And neither one went for like a, a round and a half. Teams were either picking other positions. They're picking other players in those positions and over, you know, over, you know, picking over those guys. So I think it goes to show, I, I think the, the allure of mock drafts and rankings we all have in this in this NFL draft process. I think a lot of folks cling to these things and treat them as gospel and, and get upset when they're get when they when they think a guy is supposed to go at this point, but they don't they don't go or they go later or they go earlier. Just goes to show I think some of these teams have different grades on guys. I mean, they're not we're not privy to all the information, the interviews behind the scenes, um, potential medical issues, concerns. Um, and everything else. So it's it's always interesting. We talk about this every single year. Guys who go sooner than we think, guys who are drafted that we didn't expect to be drafted, guys who who fall. Um, it's always an interesting process. I, I always get a kick out of it. And I always find it entertaining. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, this is just the first step in these guys' journey. I mean, they got a long career ahead. They're hoping to stick and, and last for a long time. Uh, and we'll see. Uh, congratulations to all of them. It was, it was a, uh, you know, it was a good draft. I thought it was entertaining first round. Um, perhaps maybe more so than previous years, uh, but just, just a lot going on over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, starting off with like the Texans at, at number two, drafting CJ Stroud and then trading for the number three overall pick to get Will Anderson, too. I mean, trying to set the stage for uh, entertaining Thursday night for sure. So, I guess la- last thing here on, on the draft before we move on to recruiting, I mean, any other takeaways that you had, or, or who do you think, what Michigan players do you think will have the biggest impact as a rookie? Well, that's a good question. I, I think Mozzie is going to go in there and probably play right away at the cow with the Cowboys and be a you know a a, a true defensive tackle. Someone I think they need. They, there was a big need there for them. Um, I, I think tight end Luke Skumek will probably have an opportunity to play right away. Really, they're probably the first three or four guys. I mean, the Turners and the Moody Moody is going to opportunity to be the primary kicker in San Francisco, as you said. It's going to kind of be up to him to seize the moment and everything else. But I'd say they're probably the first three or four guys to take it. I mean, typically when that happens, these are guys that are plug and play got players, NFL players, teams that um players think can step in right away and, and make an impact. So certainly Mozzie, I, I think Turner's gonna get an opportunity. Uh, I think it's a join with Dax Hill, which I think is kind of interesting too. Um and then and the maker too. So I, I think the three or four guys, guys further down the list like the Morrises and Nola with Timmy's, I I think they're gonna have to work their way into a rotation depth chart spot. Uh and then further down the road, I think Hayes and Bell um, those are, I think, the guys more at risk to be cut early on. I'm not saying they're going to be, but they they got a longer road than perhaps some of these other guys at the top of the list. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what the Bengals do with Turner because I mean, really, Daxton Hill didn't play much at all with Cincinnati last year. I mean, he was used primarily on special teams and and in certain special packages when they wanted an extra DB on the field. But uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised how, how limited he was as a rookie. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if Turner kind of steps in into one of those top corner spots right away, or, or has to uh, wait his turn a little bit, or, or is more of a just a, a special package player, a reserve player, special teams player. But yeah, it will, it will be fascinating to see. And yeah, nine draft picks to monitor here. So um, yeah, let's let's hit on some recruiting because it's been. <laughs> I mean. Who crazy to think that at this point Michigan would have the top ranked class in 2024 after everything that happened again this offseason, after how poorly they recruited in 2023, and now they have the most commits with 15 top ranked class, and uh, they just added a, another guy to the class 
on on Friday when three-star offensive lineman Drake Gornera from uh, Ponte Vedra became the latest. Um, and he's now the fifth offensive lineman in this class already. And it's 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 May 1st. It's crazy to think how, how quickly they've turned things around. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like they're going to be slowing down a- anytime soon. But with Granera, uh, I mean, he, he's the fifth offensive lineman, but I think Michigan's taking him as a, as a true center. Most of the other four guys are, are a lot, most of them are viewed as tackles. Maybe another guy, um, Luke Hamilton's more of an uh, interior guy at, at guard. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Mission really likes him at, at center, and, and he's not the highest ranked guy at, at 457 nationally. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's got some pretty good size, 6'4, 290, and, and a pretty high ceiling. So yeah, I mean, where things stand right now, you got three top top 100 recruits, nine top 300 recruits, and 11 four stars out of 15, which not many people expected, I'm sure, after last year. No, if you look at the kind of the roots of this class, I know they're not done, but you mentioned five offensive linemen, two tight ends, a running back, and it sounds like they're trying to chase a second running back. This is very like Michigan. Like this is what they're trying, this is how they're trying to build these teams, right? Strong up front, multiple linemen, multiple tight ends, running the football. That, t- that signals to me that I don't I don't think things are going to change just from an offensive philosophy standpoint anytime soon. Um, they're going after these big boys up front. They're trying to de- build and develop these guys. They're still they're still recruiting tight ends like crazy. Uh, they're trying to hit on some of these running backs. So it's you know I think it's going to continue. I, anyone who thinks this Michigan offense might open up anytime soon, uh, I, I think you're going to be waiting a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, and we're, I've said this before, and it's it, I can't under understate how important it is to kind of get some centerpiece prospects in the full early on. I know people th- thought J.D. Davis waited, lo- waited longer than expected, and he did, but it's having him in the fold now, and you're starting to see these top other still guys or, or top elite offensive linemen like, hey, we got this guy potentially as our quarterback moving forward. Yeah, let's let's go. Like, I'm ready to, to commit. And, and all these guys are committing other players, and they're they're putting bugs in people's other top prospects' ears, and, and it makes a difference. I mean, some of your best recruiters can be other guys in the class or your current players. So, I mean, if you look at it, eight players now have committed since mid-March, obviously during the, the heart of the spring season. So they're, they're getting on campus. They're seeing how Michigan's operating in spring practice. They're seeing what Ben Herbert's doing with the guys in the weight room. And, yeah, I think NIL maybe is, is taking a few steps forward. But it, even more so, I think the the product on the field and these, uh, like the Joe Moore Award, it's now two years in a row that, and it seems like these guys have all said when they've committed, yeah, I want to go join the best offensive line school in the country. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't think Michigan's done. Even at offensive line, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get six, maybe even seven offensive linemen this cycle, which it seems like a lot. But, I mean, if you look at who could be leaving after this year, there's going to be a lot of question marks and, and holes to fill and might as well start restocking those coverage with some elite guys. I mean, they're, they're, they're in the mix still with, I mean, Max Anderson, offensive tackle from Texas, top 200 overall, Bennett Warren, offensive tackle from Texas, top 200 overall, Michigan still recruiting those guys. Brandon Baker, uh, the number one ranked offensive tackle in the country. He's from Matter Day in California, uh, an elite program. Michigan's still in the mix there. So, I mean, it's hard. It would be hard for Michigan to say if one of these guys wants to come on board, even if you're already stockpiling and have a bunch of guys, to say, nah, no, we're full. Like, you're going to take 
guys of, of that caliber. And, and that's what happens when, when you're recruiting the best of your abilities and you're, and you get some momentum. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but you, you got to feel pretty good if you're a Wolverines fan about recruiting at this point. And continuity can't be understated here. Obviously the wins and the success on the field make a difference. Team high school players want to go play for successful teams and in big programs and blue blood programs like Michigan, but Jim Harbaugh, at least the, the, the key parts of his coaching staff are still intact. Yes, they did lose Matt Weiss um, and George Hilo in the offseason, but you can make the case that those were probably two of their weakest links when it came to the recruiting trail. So I, I think in a way Michigan beefed up in that regard. You got to give Kirk Campbell, a quarterback's coach, a lot of credit for kind of state coming in and stabilizing things, developing a relationship with Jane Davis and obviously kind of helping um, seal the deal there. So I, I look at it. Jesse Minter's back. Sharon Moore, a key recruiter in the state of Ohio, is back. Um, um, excuse me. Yeah. Sharon Moore. Uh, <laughs> I meant to clink scale. Steve Clink, yeah. Michigan's best recruiter in the state of Ohio, is back. Sharon Moore, who's been obviously the big part in, in the offense, the line, the offense is, is there. So I, I think you've got the key guys are there. They're finding their kind of rhythm and, and success and, and they're keeping things rolling. Um, and then obviously it helps with, with you know, the, the on the field stuff, too. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Sharon Morris had quite the turnaround on the recruiting trail. I mean, kind of some dull classes, uh, at least offensive line classes the last couple cycles. And then this year, it's just like, man, guys got his fire back or something on the recruiting trail. He's not messing around. He's getting going after top guys. He's get, he's making impacts and, and, and really turning the tides with with some of these guys. So it's, yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, coaches on staff are, are making their mark and we'll, we'll see if it continues. Obviously nothing's official until signing, signing the early signing period in, in December. So a long way to go, but um, as long as mission doesn't have a collapse on the field in 2023 or, or has a bunch of coaching upheavals or anything like that, you, you, you would feel pretty good that the mission signed most of these guys. That will wrap up today's podcast. Thanks for listening. And we will be back with another episode soon enough. Have a great day.